Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 52, and I'm drinking Galliano Latentico. For each episode of the podcast, you should expect that I'll be well-researched and educational, also entertaining and consistent in my reviews. This also happens to be my one-year anniversary show. When I launched this podcast with my first three episodes going live on May 2nd, 2020, in the early days of the COVID-19 global pandemic, I wasn't quite sure what I was doing. I'd spent much of April 2020 figuring out how to produce a show on liquors and liqueurs, how to taste them, how to do research, how to record and edit each episode, and to be honest, my first few episodes aren't great, but I think the content holds up, though perhaps I should re-edit them to clean up my narration or just re-record them for a more enjoyable listening experience. But all that aside, I had a passion to make a show for myself that I hoped would find an audience and I've got a growing base of dedicated fans as well as casual listeners. I'm grateful to the more than 1,500 unique listeners my little podcast has attracted in these past 52 weeks. I've managed to average one new episode a week for a year, an achievement I'm quite proud of, and a schedule I believe my audience has come to rely on. This little show covers distilled spirits in the manner I'd like to hear about them. I'll tell the brand stories of each liquor or liqueur, dive into how they're made, remark on some notable cocktails for each, or simply how best to drink them. I wanted to do some tastings and reviews as well when I started, and my vocabulary has expanded and my palate has become more in tune with what I'm trying. Like many things worth doing, this podcast has been a labor of love. It's just a hobby, but a hobby I've come to dedicate six or more hours to each week researching, scripting, recording, editing, publishing, and promoting, all for a yield of what may only be a 15-minute weekly episode. But I create it first and foremost because I enjoy doing it, and I'm so happy that you as a listener have come along for the ride. Plus, I've more than made good on my New Year's resolution to drink more. I've tried so much, but I'm just getting started. I also owe a debt of gratitude to my wife, Michelle, who has encouraged and supported me in this, giving me the time to spend in front of the computer and not minding that I've increased our household spend on booze way above what we ever spent before I started this show. So then why did I choose Galliano for this episode? The answer is Galliano is distinctive. From the start, it is a spirit I have always planned to feature, but it kept getting preempted for others. It also seems a fitting bookend to a year of episodes. Episode 1 is on Midori, a bright green melon liqueur that launched during the disco era of the 1970s, a time described by many drinks historians as dark days for cocktails. A time when artificial sour mix and brightly colored drinks with silly names reigned supreme. Many believe Americans simply forgot how to drink that the disco generation had no good role models for drinking because prohibition in this country broke the cultural chain of drinking before their parents' generation, and with the rise of vodka, the lack of traditional flavored spirits paved the way for cocktail consumption for the intoxicating effect more than anything else. And Galliano is perhaps forever associated with this era and the cocktail with the silly name, the Harvey Wallbanger. I also chose to feature Galliano for this episode because the popularity of the Harvey Wallbanger contributed to Galliano being sold in large format, one-gallon dispenser bottles on stands. 
My father-in-law had one such empty Galliana bottle he'd repurposed as a piggy bank, filling it full of coins. I've since lucked upon my own empty one-gallon Galliano bottle. But anyway, let's get to the story of Galliano. The bottle of Galliano I have for this tasting is the standard 750 milliliter size. It is 42.3% alcohol by volume, making it 84.6 proof, and it sells for about $35. The thing about Galliano is, you know the bottle, even if you've never tasted the spirit. The bottle is really tall. The one I have for this tasting is 18 inches tall, or roughly 45 centimeters. It's clear glass, and about as big around at the bottom as a standard vodka bottle, but it tapers to the neck and is faceted, and said to be reminiscent of a Roman column. The shape overall gives it a triangular profile. The liqueur inside is distinctively bright yellow. The current paper label on the front features Galliano in red text with gold foil accents. It's dated 1896, and a G in an oval with botanical accents is used as a crest at the top of the label. It also is stated on the front label to be the original, botanical, with over 30 herbs and spices. The bottle is capped by a white metal screw cap. Older bottles depict Galliano the word in purple, and rather than being horizontal, the name was arched. But the label's been modernized. As far as I can tell, the basic shape of the glass bottle has remained consistent throughout its history. Anyway, let's give it a taste. Let's open this bottle. Here we go. Oh, it's got a plastic uh, pour in it, kind of a, a splash guard, if you will. I'll be tasting the spirit neat in a clean Glencairn, and neat is simply at room temperature, right out of the bottle, no ice, no dilution. So let's see if I can manhandle a giant bottle into the glass. Here we go. It is yellow, but poured nicely. And coming out of the bottle in the pour, it seems a little thick. It is a liqueur, and I know there is sugar in it, so that makes sense. Coats the glass nicely as I swirl it. Very clear, but very bright yellow. Now on the nose. Licorice, or rather anise, or anise, depending on the pronunciation. That's what I get. It's got an herbal undertone to it, though. It smells familiar, I'll say. It smells like other herbal liqueurs, reminiscent a little of chartreuse, though chartreuse is much more complex on the nose. There's vanilla in this. I'm not catching a lot of vanilla, at least not on the nose. Okay, let's go for a taste. Mm. Okay. Good and plenty candy. It's quite sweet. You get that sugariness, like good and plenty candy. If you've never had it, I don't actually like it. Although with my uh, foray into spirits, I may start eating. Nah, I would not. Good and plenty is not what I would enjoy to snack on. I would rather drink a spirit that maybe tastes like it before I actually eat the candy. But Galliano on the palate... The sweetness, you get that candy shell, but then the anise comes right through the licorice flavor of it. But it's more rounded. There's complexity to it. I'm going for a second taste. Mm. 
herbalness to it. You feel the heat from the ethanol. It's over 80 proof, so it's pretty stout. It's uh, stronger than most vodka. It's got a nice long finish, which is surprising. I guess I was expecting a simpler uh, liqueur, but with more than 30 ingredients, yeah, there's some complexity here. After a third taste, I'll say I get a little vanilla, a bit. It kind of hovers mid-palate, midway through the the taste of the neat spirit. I would not say it's vanilla forward, but I can taste the vanilla in it. I really think it's sweetness and vanilla battling against the potency of anise in it, or anise. That's really the battle. It feels like one is compensating for the other, or they're fighting for dominance, and it makes it a, a boldly flavored liqueur. And I'll say the more you drink, the smoother it gets, and the easier it gets to drink, and you get the sequence of sweet, vanilla, the licorice anise, and then a more herbal rounded finish. Okay, let's talk history. Galliano is now a brand name with other flavor expressions, but when most people say Galliano, they're referring to the original yellow version I've tasted. And indeed, that's the version I'll be speaking about, not the other flavors that they have, which can be good in their own right, but Galliano, I'm going for L'Authentico. Galliano is an Italian liqueur. It's still made in Italy today. The early history is pretty straightforward as well, and the brand's website provides a concise recap. I'll paraphrase here as I found nothing really to dispute it. Arturo Vaccari of Livorno, Tuscany, Italy, was a distiller and he created Galliano in 1896 to honor an Italian war hero, Giuseppe Galliano, who over Christmas 1895 led a force of 2,000 hardy soldiers, outnumbered 40 to 1, to hold a fort during the first Italian-Ethiopian War. Giuseppe Galliano died in battle shortly thereafter, But noticing a gap in the market for honoring fallen heroes, Arturo Vaccari set about making a new liqueur at his own distillery in 1896. He was intent on creating a liqueur with a flavor all of its own, and legend has it his recipe was based on a homemade liqueur that Galliano always carried into battle. In what's described as another stroke of marketing genius, Vaccari decided his liqueur would be golden in color to reflect the efforts of Italians trekking to America to make their fortunes in the 1890s gold rushes in California, known to Italians as the Golden State. And indeed, California is still referred to as the Golden State. Galliano peaked in popularity in the 1970s when it was America's biggest selling liqueur, exporting half a million 9-liter equivalent cases a year due to the Harvey Wallbanger cocktail. More on the Harvey Wallbanger in a bit. Galliano's website continues with, Arturo Vaccari went to great lengths to choose and blend flavors that reflected the passion, grandeur, artistic brilliance, and sensuality of his country. In all likelihood, he experimented with countless combinations of plant ingredients before he settled on over 30 different herbs, spices, roots, barks, and flower seeds. The intricity of the final recipe remains a guarded secret to this day. In 1989, the recipe for Galliano was changed after the brand was purchased by Remy Cointreau, and it was rebranded as Galliano Vanilla Liqueur. The brand was purchased by Lucas Bowles, the current owner, in 2006, and the recipe changed again. The current formulation is billed as the original recipe, and the label changed to Galliano L'Authentico, or the original. 
An interesting fact about the brand is older bottles at time featured renditions of Giuseppe Galliano and military regalia, but often without any explanation for who this man was. So that's the story of Galliano in a nutshell, as far as it being created and marketed to today. But let's talk about how it's made before moving on to covering its most famous cocktail. Galliano discloses the following list of ingredients. Mediterranean anise, juniper, muscaro, star anise, lavender, peppermint, cinnamon, and vanilla. But they're using extracts produced by a partner company they've worked with for over a hundred years. And this partner company, they're reported to be experts in flavor extraction. They're the sole providers of extracts used in Galliano. So, at the Italian distillery, Galliano presumably doesn't have any botanicals, just the extracts. The liqueur is known to be produced by first infusing neutral grain alcohol with the herbal flavor agents, distilling the liquid, and then infusing this with pressed vanilla. In the final production stage, the vanilla herb base infusion is blended with distilled water, refined sugar, and more pure neutral alcohol to get it to bottling proof. We also know that it is artificially colored with tratazine, aka yellow number five. But the rest? That's a closely guarded secret. Galliano is distilled in Italy, but bottled in Holland. So now on to cocktails and consumption, and the famous Harvey Wallbanger. It's simple, really. It's a modified screwdriver consisting of six ounces of orange juice, one ounce of vodka, this is mixed with ice, and then a half ounce splash of Galliano is added to the top. There's not much to it, really, but it swept the nation, and this one drink is what everyone associates Galliano with. But the origin of the cocktail and the goofy name? Well, that's been debated, but several cocktail historians, most notably Robert Simonson, have done the legwork on it. I'll tell you first the story I recall about the name of the drink before I get to the more popular rumors and perhaps what may be closest to the truth. Because the bottle of Galliano is so tall, it's always relegated to the back of the bar, usually in a corner because it doesn't fit where many other bottles do. So the story goes as I heard it, a bartender named Harvey started topping screwdrivers with Galliano, and he was always known to be banging the bottle against the wall when pulling it up to pour. Customers liked the drink and started asking their bartender, Hey Harvey, give me one of them wall bangers. Hence, the Harvey wall banger. This is complete fiction, but it sounds probable, and that's what makes it a good origin story. The more often circulated story is that the drink was invented in 1952 by a man named Donato Duke Antone at his bar The Black Watch that was located on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood. Duke apparently named the drink after a frequent patron, a Manhattan Beach surfer named Tom Harvey, who apparently Duke overserved because Tom Harvey would bang against the walls, stumbling out of the place. Or, in other tellings, he would bang his head on the bar for loving the drink. This story seems to be fiction as well. However, a kernel of truth may reside in it. The bartender, Duke Antone, claims to have invented not only the Harvey Wallbanger, but the Rusty Nail, the White Russian, the Kamikaze, and something called the Freddy Fudpucker. And indeed, he may have. Duke seems to have moved on from tending bar and started teaching the craft, opening a bartending school. This seems to have moved him into the realm of early spirits consultant, and there's record that Duke was hired by a man named George Bednar, 
who in 1966 became the marketing director for a company named McKenison Imports Company, an importing company that handled Galliano. George Bednar hired a small design studio headed by a guy named Bill Young, who in 1969 created a cartoon mascot named Harvey Wallbanger that was featured in an ongoing ad campaign for Galliano. This was created before I was born, but to my 2021 eyes, the Harvey Wallbanger cartoon is god-awful. Just Google it to see one. The closest thing I can describe the style to is the pinball sequence from Sesame Street, late 60s, early 70s artwork in striking, contrasted, conflicting bright colors. And there's a very hand-drawn look to it as well. Harvey himself looks like he hasn't slept in days and is filled with anxiety or worse. The slogan for the cartoon ad campaign was, Harvey Wallbanger is the name and I can be made. I'm a marketer by trade, but this simply doesn't make much sense to me. Harvey is portrayed at the beach or other scenarios, just kind of like a cocaine-fueled fat American version of the regal everyman of Johnny Walker, the blended scotch mascot who strode across the world in ad posters a century before. And Johnny Walker continues to be iconic. But Harvey? He's fat-footed and doesn't look appealing. I don't want to be overly critical because obviously they sold a lot of Galliano with this and each ad features the recipe for the Harvey Wallbanger cocktail with it and I suppose tastes in 1970 were very different. It was heavily promoted and Galliano did eventually move half a million cases annually in the US. And that's a lot of Harvey Wallbangers when you think that each drink only calls for a half ounce splash. So back to the origin of the Harvey Wallbanger cocktail. I have no idea where the name for the drink actually came from. That may be lost to history, but Donato Duke Antone seems indeed to be due the credit for the invention. As his grandson told cocktail historian Robert Simonson that Duke had invented what he called Duke's Screwdriver at the Black Watch Bar in Hollywood that was later renamed the Harvey Wallbanger when Duke was working with George Bednar on marketing Galliano. And in the 70s, cocktails had silly names. Why not? Harvey Wallbanger? Sure. This seems as close to the truth as we need to get. Fact is, the drink has endured. Galliano has more sophisticated cocktails it's used in now. The bottle actually features a Galliano Sour. So in summary, what do I think of Galliano? Well, it's iconic. This is the first time I've ever tried it neat. I maybe have had it in some cocktails in the past, though doubtful. I'll say the sweetness makes it appealing, and that probably led to the acceptance of it for American palates. It's very herbal and licorice-y. I may even call it a novelty. The bottle is novel. There's no other spirit that has endured so long in such a tall, impractical bottle, to be honest. It's it's impractical. Most of the liquor stores around me only sell the 375 milliliter size because it is shorter. It's the normal height of a bottle, so to speak. Whereas the 750 milliliter, it's too tall. 18 inches is really big. It doesn't fit anywhere. The color though, if you're trying to color a cocktail yellow, here's Galliano. It's yellow. It's also going to add a lot of flavor. Though I'd almost put Galliano into the category of cocktail modifier, the same use you would have for Chambord, which is really potent and overpowering. If you use too much of it, you're just going to have too much. I think the same rules apply here with Galliano. 
I mean, the most famous cocktail it only called for half an ounce. That's barely a starring role. I don't know. I like it. I'm glad I've got a bottle now that I can enjoy it. I'll probably drink it neat. That's how I drink spirits mainly is neat. And I'm not much of a fan of orange juice in mixed drinks. Certainly not in the proportions the Harvey Wallbanger calls for. So that's going to do it for this 52nd episode, one year anniversary of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. Thank you very much for being a listener. Please subscribe and share. Tell your friends. Show notes are on liquorandliqueurconnoisseur.com. You can also find the show on your favorite podcast platform. The shows on social media tend to be most active on Facebook and Instagram. I love hearing from my listeners, so if you've got a spirit you would love me to research and tell you about, let me know. And as always, thank you for listening.